Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired to create a deeper life to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Bonnie S. Hurst. Bonnie's the author of Test of Faith, Surviving My Daughter's Life Sentence. She loves feel-good movies and stories with happy endings. After a 35-year hiatus from writing, during which time she was busy being a mom and grandma, she's enjoying connecting with other writers. When life tries to shorten her stride, she prays, cries, talks with her guardian angels, reads self-help books, and writes. She can often be found kayaking on a calm mountain lake. And if you want to find out more, you can go to bonniesshurst.com, B-O-N-N-I-E-S-H-I-R-S-T.com. Welcome, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, especially for for one particular reason, which is that, um, you know, I've had several people come on the show who have, let's say, lost someone um, through murder or, you know, through a crime. Uh, I've had a few people uh, come on to talk about incarceration and the losses in that. Much harder to um, to get people to come on and talk about that. And so I appreciate that you're being public because I think a lot about... Uh, the terrible state of our justice system, basically, and and what it does to people's lives, not just the person themselves, but everyone around them. So thank you for being willing to talk about that. It is kind of a taboo subject in a way. There's there's not a lot of people that say, hey, I have someone in prison. Yes. Uh, I, I first, I've been aware of that for a long time, but uh, my best friend's son was was incarcerated for uh, about three years, um, a much longer sentence, as you would imagine. And I, I just learned so much from being her friend, you know, uh, about about what that experience is like. But let's let's kind of go back to the beginning. Um, as I understand it, you your family is, uh, pretty middle class, can we say? You know, own own a yes. couple of businesses, have a nice place to live. All these kinds of middle class indicators. Is that fair to say? Uh-huh. Well, that and, would be right. Yes. And of course, we know incarceration is much more likely when that's not true. But uh, in your case, that was true. Can you say how you? Uh, for people who don't know, listening, how you came to uh, crash into the justice system in your life? Yeah, we had never been involved in the justice system. We didn't even have a lawyer except to help us draw up our will. Um, when our daughter was arrested, 
for conspiracy to hire someone to kill someone for murder. Um, the arrest itself, we had to, to call someone to ask, you know, what kind of a lawyer do we need? Um, there's family lawyers, there's criminal attorneys. Uh, we finally settled on a, a criminal attorney that someone suggested to us. And from there, we got into the cogs of the legal system and did the bail. And you, we learned as we were going. It's not something I would have wanted to learn anything about. For sure. And and I imagine, uh, uh, from having read your book, but also just putting myself in your shoes, quite a, a deep shock. Yes, yes. Uh, we went from her being arrested um, to 19 months out on bail to a conviction for a life sentence. And she still is uh, incarcerated now, is that true? Yes, she is. We're coming up on nine years. Mm, such a long, long time. I know she also has kids, um, which uh, I had a friend who was... Uh, in prison for a couple of years and we used to go visit her and I was always very um, mindful of all the families there with, you know, young children on into older children, but the, the effect of having the relationship in that kind of circumstance. Yes. First, let me say, bless you for going to visit. Um, There's a lot of people who it's, Something they wouldn't do is to put themselves into a prison visiting uh, area. So you were a true friend to be able to to go do that. Um, We're pretty fortunate that the prison that she's in is very family-oriented, and we've been able to go there. I mean, she's 300 miles away, so it's quite a trip. But we're fortunate enough to be able to see her. That is fortunate. And, um, you know, what, what is so clear to me, and I'm sure we'll talk on and off about this this whole hour, is just the level of dehumanization. You know, that very thing you said, people wouldn't put themselves in the position to visit a prison. Um, to me, that refers to the fact that we're kind of uh, the media kind of teaches us, but I'm sure if that's a reflection of the culture, that um, people aren't exactly full humans once they are imprisoned uh, in, the, in the eyes of, you know, some public. <laughs> I don't know what public that is, but um, right. there, right. there is you've that. you've never been involved in the justice system or in a prison or someone in prison, there's a whole realm of new rules that you have to abide by. I can't even imagine being my daughter and having to have learned all of those firsthand. Yes, absolutely. And adjusting to uh, a, a severe, I also sing in prison, so I, I know there's a severe lack of freedom in that environment uh, in ways that Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes matter, and sometimes are seemingly extremely arbitrary. Right, right. Is that your experience as well? 
Right. She was in maximum security for the first four years. Um, She's now in medium security. Uh, She's been very fortunate to have now the medium security to have a Christian uh, roommate. They don't call them cellmates, and it's not prison. It's, you know, a correctional facility. They have all certain terms. Euphemistic terms. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my eyes, you know, she's still in a cell, and she's still in a prison, and, you know, that that type of thing. (laughs) Well, you also bring up something something interesting, which is that I noticed that... uh, you know, if that should ever happen to someone I, I love, whether or not they had a strong faith like you and your daughter do, or they didn't, I would recommend um, connecting with a chaplain. Uh, they seem yes. to be the humane, <laughs> the humane angle on this on the system, regardless of what faith they practice. Uh, to me, they're they're the humane, the humans. Um, Yes. And, yes. and, and, and get a lot of the system, programs in, don't they? Yes, they do. The prison system here, um, that's one of the first books she was allowed to have, the Bible. That, that speaks a lot to me. Um, and anybody else of other faiths are allowed to have whatever they need to practice their own uh, beliefs. I, I happen to know uh, a large number of, of Native American people, and I know that in most prisons, uh, sweat lodge is allowed because that is the practice of some, uh, you know, and that's, that's uh, really counterintuitive to the, the way that people get physically separated. And, you know, so it, it can really be a lifeline for people whose practice that is to be to have access to yes. it. For sure. Yes. I want to mostly, obviously, there's the impact and loss to her. And uh, I wanted to start with that because that is so appreciable and, um, you know, so uh, significant. But what I'm actually mostly focused on for today is the, is the loss to you and your um, coming to terms with that. And I felt you captured well in the book um, the severe change to your life that that happened when this took place. I wonder if you'd read uh, the little piece from your book about going to work at a restaurant you you own. I'm assuming you still own it. I don't know. But you did at the time own a restaurant and you had to go in uh, and um, and do some work. Uh, could you share that? Because yes. I think it really does capture the kind of trauma for you as the love, loved one. Okay. Yes, this was the first day I went down to the restaurant to count the tills and, and to um, after she had been arrested. So, entering the bustling kitchen of the restaurant, I saw my head cook busy on the grill. He looked up and nodded but didn't greet me with his usual, good morning, Bonnie. He returned attending the food on the flat top. The prep cook was dicing onions and green peppers for omelet mix. She acknowledged me with a sad and knowing look. By their nonverbal communication, I knew they had heard about Lacey and were waiting for me to initiate the conversation. I couldn't greet them with my standard, hey, how's it going today? 
Instead, I walked silently through the kitchen and down the waitress hallway. My opening server was stacking dirty plates on the bus cart. The mid-shift girl was entering new food orders in the computer. They both glanced my way as I poured myself a cup of coffee, but neither one said anything as I went into my office. Closing the door, I leaned against it and sipped my steaming brew. So this was how it was going to be. No one knowing what to say, me included. Hmm. I got the impression of you uh, reading the book that before, uh, before this happened, you were quite, and I'm sure still are, quite capable, very self-reliant, uh, and maybe not so visible in terms of the things in life that are harder. Uh, so I imagined you going from being, um, you know, uh, a, a big part of your community, a uh, trusted member. I know you're in a pretty small town, so the restaurant's a hub. Uh, and you had a certain role. And going from that to having people be aware of what was going on in your family's life must have been kind of crushing at, at first. This is what I imagined. It was difficult. Uh, you know, I've always, I've always been the one that's been in control. I'm always the one that's leading the charge or, or, you know, organizing this or organizing that or in charge of the restaurants and the employees. Um, and we'd been in business, oh, since 1972, my husband and I. Long time. So we were a large part of, large part of the community. Um, we don't still have either restaurant at this point, so that's been a huge blessing also. But yes, in a small town, people know who you are, and now you're plastered across the newspaper. Your daughter is. And I was also aware, you know, I think a lot, and I thought about it again, uh, reading about this experience, the way that, um, the, the way that people's countenance gets interpreted because uh, the media tends to interpret any look on someone who's been accused as some kind of sign of, of guilt, but often it's a sign of trauma or it's a sign of uh, paralysis or a lot of other things that would happen if you were in that situation. Uh, including some people getting very frozen, some people looking very disturbed, you know. And whenever you recounted these pictures that were showing up in the paper, that's what I was thinking about, that uh, there was kind of a knee-jerk interpretation that must have been so painful, uh, given knowing your daughter so deeply and, and loving her so much. Mm-hmm. Yes, it... it um you know, it's kind of like that deer in the headlight look, you know, you, someone takes a picture and it's frozen in time. That's who everyone sees you as. I think about that in terms of, you know, um, the kinds of pictures that go up when, when a young black man has been, you know, killed, uh, that often 
especially by police officers, but I think in general, often the picture chosen is one to kind of make them look bad, <laughs> you know, when there right. are many others right. available. So I, I think that's, uh-huh. uh, it, it, do you think it has to do, I mean, I think people are drawn to, it's almost like ambulance change, chasing maybe, or uh, kind of drawn to drama a, a bit. You know, uh, think that's a part of it? need to sell papers, yeah, and they draw on sensationalism. I'm sure that whoever takes the pictures uh, in the jail when people are arrested and booked, you know, do they get a choice of how they, what picture they choose to put in the paper? You know, I don't know how that goes. I just yeah. know the one they chose of my daughter was horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> that you can say for sure. <laughs> yeah, that one I can say for sure. Was there ever, you know, I, I, I felt it stood out in the book how, how strong uh, you and your, how strong all the relationships really in your family appeared to be. Uh, that, that didn't seem to me to be uh, kind of torn apart by this. You were, you were all torn apart, but it seemed to me you still stayed well with each other by and large. Would you say that's true, or were there ways that this got in between you at times? Well, in my book, I I write about um, how everyone deals with relationships a little bit differently, so I won't um, talk about that because that might give away a couple of chapters there. But we have <laughs> I don't think blessed. that hurts people. <laughs> Sometimes that just makes people want to read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my husband and I dealt with it differently. We each needed our space. Um, if we were to talk about it, that would mean we'd have to come to grips with what was going on or we'd have to seek answers. And at the time, it was just too raw. We couldn't, we couldn't communicate about it. Um, but thankfully, 47 years we celebrated this last month, you know, of wedding anniversary. So we made it through. Um, Lacey's kids made it through. Lacey has touched a lot of lives in prison through Christ. And, you know, there's some blessings to be found there. I think that's, that connects with the, with the message of, of this particular show, that uh, terrible things happen and... Uh, don't don't in the end sometimes aren't only terrible. Sometimes we can right. make I mean, something out of it. Uh, let's let's go to break now and and come back and talk more about that part of it because I'm, you know, I'm really wanting to hear what you feel has come out of it for you and and Lacey too and your whole family. So let's come back and talk more about that after the break. Listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. Uh, Links to everything there. You can find a link also to my novel, An Ocean Between Them. And to find Bonnie Hurst, you can go to bonniesherst.com. Be back soon. (laughs) 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. What sets apart voiceamerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main voiceamerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Perspectives with Dr. Badisha Patel is a program that explores emotional management for a healthier lifestyle. On each program, we discuss ideas that support emotional well-being, such as mental illness, relationships, parenting, and family connections, and much more. If you are facing challenges in your life, you can grow and learn by exploring new techniques in dealing with stress, anxiety, and relationships. Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel airs live Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you living a healthy and fit lifestyle? It's not just related to your physical well-being. It also means a healthier mind, confidence, improved health, stamina, and fitness. Talking with Tremaine brings it all to you. Host Tremaine Ellis, along with her husband and co-host David Ellis, will offer support, advice, guidance, and motivation to keep you in your best shape, both physically and mentally. Talking with Tremaine can be heard live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Bonnie Hurst, whose book, Test of Faith, Surviving My Daughter's Life Sentence, tells, the, tells her life uh, story when her daughter was arrested and then convicted of a conspiracy to murder. And Bonnie, before the break, we just were beginning to touch on uh, something that you know, it happens with with loss through death when someone dies. Most people don't imagine that ultimately something will come out of that that is um, that is positive. It doesn't take away obviously the the terrible parts. But I I of course am pretty immersed in that, given that this is the show that I do in my life and my own experience led me there. But I would imagine that it's a little hard for people to at first think that something, uh, that good things could be made out of your experience with your daughter. And yet I feel clear from the book that things have come out of it that you value. Uh, Could you talk about that some? 
You know, Cheryl, we have all, you know, if, you, if you're a human being, we have all been through difficult times in our lives. I mean, you have pre- created this podcast from a dark point in your life. Um, we all have to deal and put one foot in front of the other every day. Um, it's a given. We, we just have difficult situations. We're immersed in traumas. We may have lost someone. And it's how we choose to deal with those challenges or those traumas that we've come through kind of defines us. You know, if we choose to react and, and drop into depression, which, which I did, um, or possibly we choose to try to find blessings, just tiny little blessings that start pulling us out of it and start facing the world again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like that you're not, one, one does not preclude the other, that there are times when we uh, mourn and feel the pain of it, and then other times when we're able to take, take an action forward. One thing that was, seemed clear to me is that you were a person who had a great deal of faith before, but maybe a little more, uh, you know, the post-traumatic growth people. Uh, I don't know if you know about that point of view, but they, I talk about it a lot on this show because it's so compatible with, with um, my view uh, that traumas happen. And uh, when we grow from it, if we grow from it, it doesn't rule out the trauma, but the growth is the growth. One of their five um, areas that, that they have studied that people grow in is a change in spiritual, spiritual perspective, which could be uh, finding faith when you didn't have it of some sort. It could be deepening. And with you, what I felt was you had the kind of faith previously that sort of said, um, I'll pray and things will be good. I know I'm, I know I'm shortening it, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, kind of a, um, a cause and effect. I pray to God, God answers my prayers. And um, to me, it seems as if that evolved some over time to really depending on uh, your faith to accompany you through the hard time. Would that be fair to say? Right. Um, when, on the day she was convicted, you know, I'm like, God, where are you? Did you take a vacation or something? This is, this is not what I prayed for. This is not what my daughter prayed for. Um, you go through trauma like that. I can't imagine someone losing a, a child to illness and, and not being able to see them again and still being able to believe in God in God's goodness. It took me a while to come back. I I still prayed. I didn't necessarily think he might be listening or that he would answer my prayers again. I looked at different alternative ways of looking at things. But in the end, the final thing that helped me was to start looking at what are the positives that came out of this? What are the blessings? When I got to about the third to the last chapter writing that, and I was starting to write down and acknowledge 
what good things have come out of it. Yes, my daughter is still in prison, but we have been able to raise our grandkids. They are doing well. Just things that you can look back. We have an amazing bubble of friends who have supported us through throughout the entire time and have solidified our friendships and it's solidified my religion too. I think my daughter actually finding faith, she accepted Christ when she was out on parole. Or not, I'm sorry, I'm not on parole, on bail. She was out on bail for 19 months and she accepted Christ during that time. That was my saving grace because she's the one that kept my faith strong because she could believe and she could pass on goodness and verses to me and to her friends to uplift them. I also am aware of some, some other, um, other things that happened in your life. I guess the way I would put it is uh, having to pay attention to yourself having to take seriously what you wanted and needed in your life, because otherwise, you know, you might have been swamped. Um, One passage I think about in terms of that is when you're talking about uh, being in the kayak on the lake. Could you share that Mm. uh, piece? Because that's such a, a, a common thing to go to nature to kind of, uh, find a healing energy, and I thought you captured that quite well. Yes, nature helped me immensely on this. <clears throat> it had been after a really tough day when I when this happened, what I'm writing about here. I sought solitude and peace on the lake next to our cabin. I slipped into the teal hull of my kayak, and I became one with the water. Thank you, God, for this alone time. Gliding along the shoreline of the narrow lake, I watched as a mallard swam with her ducklings. Five of them played follow the leader up and over logs, their fuzzy bodies bobbing in sync on the lake's shimmering surface. Mama Duck tracked behind the last baby as it scouted in the opposite direction, a feather floating on the water. That's when she saw me, Mama Duck, quacking the alarm with outstretched wings. She hectically pushed the lagging baby forward. Their high-pitched cheeps. I'm sorry, forward. Her haste created a froth in a trail of bubbles. I backpacked my kayak to give her more space. Squawking to her little ones, she maneuvered them all into the camouflage of the reeds. Their high-pitched cheeps quieted as they huddled down in the willowed grasses. I coveted the mama duck's ability to guide her brood to safety. Hmm. You know, obviously you were in a lot of pain at that point, but there is a certain sense of of also peace. I I could picture myself out on that lake, you know, kind of finding Mm. some solace, which I I Mm. love that word solace because we need that, don't we? It's not just... Oh, we do. We grieve. We need something that offers comfort and, and a sense of peace. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me some about, you mentioned just briefly that you, you receive your daughter as doing a lot of good in prison. And I, I interviewed at one point a man who was in prison for 41 years. Uh, there, there's pretty good proof that he actually didn't commit the crime, but um, he, 
he's out now, um, partly because of the work he's done, I think. Uh, and the the amount he did for people in prison with him was incalculable. Uh, he's the one that started... Uh, a program called the Brothers Keeper at San Quentin, done a mm. lot of advocacy work, just powerful work. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we don't think about that unless we're exposed to someone who's in there trying to make a difference for people. How has that mm-hmm. showed itself with Lacey? She has a group of women um, that are all believers and Christian and they support each other. One may have had a breast cancer scare or one may be going through an appeal. One may have had a child loss while they're in prison. You know, someone died on the outside and they support each other. And it's a beautiful thing. I, I'm sure that when the others get out, they will continue to still help Lacey, you know, on the inside. I, I I envision it almost like, well, the bonds, for instance, I have with people who helped my family when my wife was dying are, uh, you know, certain, certain quite difficult circumstances, uh, war, I'm imagining, uh, where the bonds are so strong under conditions that are brutal uh, when you, and, and it sounds as if that's happened with you and your friends, too that your bonds, the people who were able to show up and be with you, your bonds strengthened quite substantially. It was amazing. I'm not one to ever ask for help. I've always been the one that uh, can have all the answers. And if I don't know the answer, I do the research myself. God guided me to ask for help. During this, and I sent an email out to our friends to ask them to come to court with us. And, and they, lots of them showed up. Yeah. Mm, mm. At, given what we were talking about earlier in terms of the kind of um, brick wall between uh, most people and the prison system or the justice system, what an act of love to, to prioritize their love for you uh, and not, um, not just respond to the kind of recoil that a lot of people have to, um, to anything having to do with uh, justice, the justice system. Yes. Yeah, we were we were very blessed. That was one of probably the most tremendous blessings throughout this. And during the time we were going to trial, all the pre-trial hearings for those 19 months, and even during court, we had a lot of that bubble of our friends were going through major medical issues, um, and we were all there for each other. It it was a beautiful thing. But by me asking for help and showing my vulnerability. That brought me more gifts than, than I would have ever realized. 
um, by allowing others to help me, it empowered them also, mm. and it made my life fuller and more blessed. I, that really uh, catches my ear. It empowered them also because when you know there's something you can do, it is empowering, isn't it? I, I, I'll often say to clients who don't want to ask for help, why would you deprive the people who love you? <laughs> you know, uh, There's some way uh, we need to care for one another. Uh, otherwise, it's a very helpless feeling. It sounds like oh, you would have totally you helpless. would have understood that on the other end if you were helping someone, but this taught right. you that it's true the other way around. Yes, definitely. Um, there is power in sharing your grief. There's power in showing your vulnerability. I think Brene Brown is the one that teaches about vulnerability so much, and and she's spot on. You know, it's I have never shown a vulnerability ever. And uh, when I did, I received blessings tenfold. You know, I uh, I have this thought that um, religion, all religions have the tradition of community. But that the aspect of that that's about being held by other human beings sometimes gets very underplayed. Uh, you know, that's the reason to come to church on Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> other people are there. Otherwise, <laughs> we could really pray in our, you know, in our bedroom. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, it's that it's that community. There, there's that in Buddhism. There's that in Islam. Every religion there's some way human beings come together, but it, isn't it interesting we don't quite transpose that into leaning into that community until something like like this happens, until we experience catastrophe. Right. That's uh, my great teacher, Stephen Levine, used to say, why don't we have emotions 101 classes for little kids why don't we teach them to depend on each other and you know <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's such a valuable lesson isn't it, it is, well, it's, yeah. it's it's time for our second break and uh i'd like to come back to kind of your your life now and where where you are uh how you now integrate this thing that that has happened in your life and in your family, how does it affect life years later, quite a number of years later? Because I'm very interested in our evolution around losses, that we keep evolving, that we keep making something of it over time. Obviously, the book is one thing you've made of it, but maybe there are others too. So we'll talk about that when we get back. And listeners, you can go to my website, weatheringgrief.com, good good grief page at Voice America to find everything I do. And to find Bonnie Hurst, you can go to Bonnie S. Hurst. It's H-I-R-S-T dot com. Back soon. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I've been here with Bonnie Hurst, author of Test of Faith. And Bonnie, as I was saying before the break, uh, I would really like to talk about the, the, now we can't know this. What would we have been like if these things hadn't happened, right? <laughs> we, we can't possibly right. know. But I have a sense, well, obviously, uh, if my wife hadn't died, I wouldn't be doing this show. I wouldn't have you know, written a novel about uh, a couple dealing with cancer. Uh, You know, there are a lot of things that I for sure wouldn't have done. Um, But I'm interested too in, in the, uh, the changes that come more internally that, that uh, our perspective on life changes. And so I'm interested in both. Obviously you're not, your book came out of the experience. So please start with that. But then I'd also like to talk about other things you notice that are uh, very different in your outlook on life. Mm. 
You know, a friend shared this quote with me, and it guides my life currently. One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome a difficult path in life, and it will become a part of someone else's survival guide. You know, I can't think of a better compliment than someone, my story being a guidepost for someone else going through desperation. Um, I think maybe that's why God guided me to write this. Um, you know, I'm a, a feel-good person. Give me a Hallmark movie and, and I'm happy. You know, those happy endings. <laughs> and, and we definitely did not get a happy ending. But we've been able to deal with what we have been dealt with, you know, dealt. Uh, we've continued to be a strong family, which is, is a very huge blessing. Uh, we, we've kind of, during that time, we kind of pulled out of our community. In other words, we, we kind of hid. We didn't really go out unless we had to, like the grocery store or um, activities or community functions. We just kind of pulled in and kind of became hermits and, and buried ourselves where people really wouldn't see us very much. Uh, to that end, we have sold both restaurants. Uh, we've sold our house, and we are now living in a different community. Um, I don't think it was because of that, but maybe it was. Maybe in the back of our minds, we were like, okay, we just need to get away. There's also in that, though, the kind of agency of really uh, deciding to change your life right? Uh, a lot of people I notice bargain right. with those kind of changes instead of just realizing, mm-hmm. yep, that's, that's what I need to do right now. And then just going ahead and doing it. Uh, do you right. feel you, you know, what's follow those? Yeah. 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 Do you feel you maybe follow those things a little more? Uh, I think so. I think, you know, by, by moving away from the community, I, we don't get me wrong. We, our community supported us. We received a lot of thinking about you cards, people who had been through horrible situations before reached out to us. Our community was really very good to us. It was the people you didn't have a personal connection with, you know, in the looks and the uh, whispering behind hands and pointing fingers, you know, like that. And maybe they were just saying I had a wild hairdo that day, you know, but that's not the way it always felt. So by moving and pulling away from here and being able to go to a smaller, even a smaller community, um, we, I think we're taking care of ourselves. This is what we needed at this stage in our life. And so what you're really telling me is your life looks on its, on its um, outer um, definitions completely different than it did. Living in a different yes, community, not running the same too. business. Sure, ages right. too. Yeah. Right. We're both uh, 65 and, you know, our goal had been to sell restaurants and retire. And we actually did get to travel south last year in a motor home. And so our life, you know, is going a different way. Uh, Lacey's kids are now grown. One is 22 and 19, and they have their own lives. Um, so that changed our lives tremendously too. So yeah, we were very blessed by the whole thing. And that sounds horrible to say, 
my daughter's in prison, but I'm very blessed. And it took me a long time to be able to acknowledge how horrible that sounded or even to say it in the first place. And yet someone who's been through, for instance, I have absolutely no trouble understanding that. Uh, the fact that I, I feel a sense of blessing in my life and uh, as if I grew and changed in ways that I deeply value does not mean that I wanted my wife to die. <laughs> you know, uh, I just don't yeah. get to make the bargain. I'll, I'll give up the, the growth if, if, I can, uh, if she can come back, which would be complicated because right. I'm remarried. But <laughs> even aside from that, uh, that's just not a bargain we get to make with our histories, do we? So no, no, the, the bad is the bad, but the blessings are the blessings, aren't they? That's right. And if we look for blessings, we will find them. We can turn our back and say, no, I'm going to stay in my pain. I'm going to dive into depression. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to hide under the covers forever and ever and ever and never come out. Or you can decide that, okay, what did I learn? What can I take from this? How can I grow? And how can I help other people? That last, how can I help other people? Uh, your book is because to, to use writing for healing actually doesn't necessarily involve sharing that writing. But in choosing to Correct. share it, I imagine part of that is feeling ready to be of service with what you went through. Uh, I have prayed all along that my book will touch those who need hope. Uh, I'm hoping that that's, (laughs) if that's what comes out, my book just published yesterday. So I'm starting to hear reviews coming in and people saying, oh, thank you. And, oh, I cried the whole way through or, but I've had people share stories. You know, I haven't told anybody this. They'll say, I have a daughter in prison or, I was in prison or so I'm, I'm hearing stories of people that are willing to share their stories now too. So you've kind of uncorked their bottle in a way by being willing. A little bit. Uh-huh. It's, I, I think it's mighty hard to uncork the bottle on grief in general. You know, it takes a lot of courage uh-huh. in this culture, but to uncork the bottle on, um, incarceration and criminal justice to me takes takes more uh, just because of all the judgment you know if uh, I, I didn't get a ton of judgment that my wife died I got discomfort but that was no one's fault you know nobody thought to judge me if you will right. but I could imagine right. that that does happen uh, whether you know uh, to to most, if not all, people that are incarcerated, that and their families, that there's a at, at least a deep fear of the judgment. Oh yes, very true. So you protect yourself where people might not be uh, safe, I guess, emotionally safe. But you open yourself where people prove themselves to be safe. Would, yes. Does that capture yes. it? 
um, because That's you do a good explanation. Because <laughs> you you do strike me as someone who makes yourself very vulnerable now. Just the way you wrote the book was quite vulnerable, but not to everybody. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. There's more that isn't written in the book than what is written. Um, I was very select on what I shared and what I didn't share. And yet, still, having read it, uh, you shared your own anguish in a way that I think would help people that are going through that anguish. You know, uh, I hope so. Um, I, I'm also going to infer something. That okay. in coming to accept that you and your husband did grief differently... To me, if a relationship can bear that, the difference in how people navigate grief, it makes the relationship stronger because you come to the point where you're not trying to change the other person, right? There, there's a kind of true acceptance there. Do you feel that with your husband? Yes, yes. Our relationship became much stronger afterwards. You know, like I say, it's been nine years since she's been in prison, 10 years since she was arrested, you know, so we've had some time to come to grips with it. And you hear stories about people who have lost a child and the parents get divorced, but they don't don't handle the grief the same way. And they're not able to stay in the same household as the other one who's handling their grief differently. Mm. Um, like I said, we were we were very blessed that, that we made it through. Which which does uh, refer to a capacity to uh, both not take personally that the other person is doing it differently, but also finding people. Uh, you had to probably find people who could understand the way that you were doing it. Uh, that I sort of feel that from from reading that you found people you could really uh, talk to if yeah. at moments you and he couldn't talk. That seems a strength, right. too, to have other resources. Bonnie, I really want to thank you. I, I've enjoyed our conversation. I hope people will go look for the book. Again, that's Test of Faith, Surviving My Daughter's Life Sentence. Um if you if you want to see how uh, peop- how someone copes when their hope is not realized, but life does continue to go forward, I think it's a excellent. Uh, it captures that so beautifully. So thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Next week, I'll have Rachel Codenas. We'll be talking about her new book, Finding Peace, One Piece at a Time, What to Do with Your and Your Loved One's Personal Possessions. I I think I need this interview. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.